Hi, I am Manuela Bonanno from Columbia University and today I'm very delighted to uh, meet uh, Catherine Morel. She's the uh, winner of the Radiation Research Journal Editor Awards for this year, 2018. And uh, she published, actually in 2017, right? Um, uh, your um, article entitled Partenolite Selectively Sensitized prostate tumor tissue to radiotherapy with protective, um, while protecting healthy tissues in vivo. And uh, um, let, let's start by uh, like introducing yourself. So um, where, where did you do uh, these studies and uh, where you are now? So the work that I did for this paper was um, for my, my PhD research, which I did at Flinders University uh, in South Australia. Uh, so in the lab of um, Professor Pam Sykes, who's, um, who's got a long track history doing low dose radiation research and is, is quite well known within the society. And where are you now? Are you still in Pam Sykes' uh, laboratory? No, so I, I finished up my PhD research last year and, and have now moved um, over here to the US. So I'm at um, the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in, in Boston. So um, when you were talking about uh, Pam Sykes, she always does very intriguing um, uh, research yeah. and uh, this particular um, uh, topic for, mm -hmm. that gave you the this wonderful award congratulations oh, by you. the way um, I think it's very nice because it sounds like you found the holy gra grail <laughs> so you have this fantastic um, um, uh, drug mm -hmm. molecule that can selectively kill tumor cells, but be nice and spare normal cells. Yeah, and yeah. so tell me if this is true, you found the holy grail, and how radiation fits into it? Well, I, I don't know if it's the holy grail, but it's certainly, um, we're very excited about it because it seems to be doing um, a lot of all the right things. So um, really interestingly, we, we came across this compound because of um, Pam's low dose radiation research. And when we were looking through the literature, what we, what we found was that this, this compound had very similar properties to low dose radiation. So the, uh, where we see low dose radiation protecting from say higher doses of radiation. Um, so the sort of um, like anti-inflammatory or? Yeah, yeah. So we, we were noticing just from reports that, that it had, um, it, it seemed to be protective of, of healthy tissues. So that, that really interested us. But, but unlike what we've seen with low dose radiation, it also had radiosensitizing properties in tumour, which was what we were really interested in looking at. Um, so, so in a nutshell, the, the work that we did, we, um, we essentially treated um, mice that had um, so a toxinous prostate cancer model of, of mice, uh, treated them with high doses of radiation while giving them uh, this drug parthenolide. Uh, and we, we noticed that the, the tumour tissue was indeed radiosensitised quite significantly um, and we actually protected the healthy tissues within the one animal, which was really, really cool. So um, you, you did administer the drug beforehand to the mice? Yes. And so then... Yeah, <laughs> so we, we gave the mice um, a week of priming with this drug just to get it into the, to the body. 
uh, and then irradiated them. Um, it, for, for this paper, we irradiated them with a, a single high dose of six gray uh, and looked a few hours later to see the effects of the, the radiation-induced apoptosis in these mice. So what did you find? Well, what we found was that, uh, as I said, in the, the, um, the healthy tissue, so we looked in uh, spleen and colorectal tissue, uh, we found uh, a significant reduction in the amount of radiation-induced apoptosis, whereas in uh, our tumour tissue in the mice, we upregulated um, uh, the, the uh, radiation-induced apoptosis. And what was really interesting, when we looked at these, these mice that had uh, a range of tumour development, so some had very low-grade tumours, some had high-grade tumours, we saw the most, uh, or the, the most amount of radiation-induced apoptosis in the mice that had the highest grade tumours. So the, the drug uh, was really able to select those high-grade tumours and affect them much more so than the lower-grade tumours, um, which, uh, when we had a look at them, seemed to be to do with the, the underlying level of oxidative stress in the, the tumour tissues. Um, so the, the higher... Um, the, the baseline oxidative stress in these tissues, the more they were affected by the drug. So you use a word that caught my attention. Mm -hmm. uh, you said you primed yeah. the, the, the mice with, um, with the drug. Mm -hmm. And this reminds me of a nice uh, classical or fundamental radiobiology mm -hmm. protocol of adaptive response. Exactly. So did you explore or did you compare uh, like giving, uh, you know, a small amount of radiation before the sixth gray and see if you would got. We did. So, so one of the things that interested us, as, as I said, we, we noticed that the, the low-dose adaptive response seemed to be similar to the protective effects that we were seeing with parthenolide. Um, but uh, some, some work that's come out in recent years, I think um, some work by Dave Gradina showed that while low-dose adaptive responses can protect healthy tissue, they can also protect tumour tissue, which is incredibly problematic for um, patients who, who these days, particularly for prostate cancer, receive uh, image-guided radiotherapy. So you end up with a, a low priming dose before your actual therapeutic dose. Um, so we wanted to see um, if we could combine parthenolide with a low dose of radiation, whether we would have additive protection and, and stop any protection of the tumour. Um, so we did some initial studies, uh, and uh, at least uh, the ones that we presented in the paper, and we didn't see a very, very big um, additive protection in our healthy tissues, but, but certainly we weren't seeing any um, protection of our tumour. So it's, it's an aspect that we'd really like to uh, explore in a little bit more detail and certainly looking much more at that sort of um, clinical protocol where you do have daily fractions with you know, daily low imaging doses uh, just to see whether there is some interaction there. So this is another $1 million question. <laughs> What's the mechanisms? by which the, uh, the drug can selectively, uh, you know, kill tumor cells but protect, in a way, normal cells? That is the million dollar question <laughs> and something that we're still working through. But um, we think the fact that um, the, this drug, um, it has, uh, works through a couple of different mechanisms. The, um, it's most well known as an anti-inflammatory drug through inhibition of NF-kappa B. And what we see in 
uh, in cancer cells is that it's able to inhibit um, double strand repair uh, in, in tumour tumor cells through that NF-kappa B inhibition pathway. Um, so not just us, but a number of other people are still trying to work our way through how that works. But the flip side of it is that the drug also induces reactive oxygen species. So what we think is happening, at least in our healthy tissues, is that when we deliver parthenolide, it induces reactive oxygen species within the cells, but just enough to induce an adaptive response. So what we see is that um, when we look at some of the redox pathways, there's um, KEEP1, which gets oxidised and releases NRF2 into, um, uh, to translocate into the nucleus and that upregulates um, antioxidant pathways. So in a priming sense, that primes the cells to be in a state of already wanting to protect itself from a subsequent um, radiation exposure. Whereas cancer cells, because they have that high oxidative stress, they're, they're pushed beyond the point that they can adapt. So the parthenolide kind of pushes them over the top and really pushes them towards cell death. And that, combined with the fact that the NF-kappa B inhibition is, is stopping that, um, that double-strand break repair and, um, and non-homologous enjoining, it's, it's sort of like a perfect storm. <laughs> Um, interesting um, working hypothesis. Mm. Did you have the time to dissect and uh, prove that uh, uh, that's what it's happening? No, no. I, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I, I learned early on in my, in my uh, PhD that there's just only so much you can do as a graduate student. So uh, we did a lot of the um, the animal work, and we've got uh, tissues that we're we're working through really. Um, trying to work through the mechanism with, and we did some very uh, initial studies. But luckily, um, there's a lot of um, people that have kind of taken this a little bit further. So it's, you know, it's the, the wonderful thing about science that it's not just on us to, to work it out. It's a, it's a collaborative effort. So there's a lot of people all over the, all over the world um, really trying to, to work out this mechanism. So it's, um, you know, everyone taking their own little approach to, to, to bring it all together. So you were mentioning that you defended your thesis last year mm -hmm. and now you moved uh, to the US. Mm -hmm. So what kind of work you are doing there? I think you're working with one of the collaborators, one of the co-authors. Yes, oh. of my paper. Yeah, so Professor um, Christopher Sweeney, uh, who I've gone over to Dynafarb to work with, he's a, a wonderful medical oncologist over there. And he's pushed a lot of the work um, that's been done with parthenolide um, uh, so he's got a real vested interest in seeing it move to patients. Um, and so that's uh, a lot of what I'm doing at Dana Farber. And uh, it's a fantastic institute really to see excellent translational medicine. Um, so that's, that's what, what um, he and I are really interested in seeing is trying to move parthenolite into the clinic. Uh, in, in a number of different avenues. So particularly at the moment, what I'm, what I'm really focused on is patients who have um, really aggressive metastatic prostate cancer. So seeing if we can use the drug to really benefit them because um, they, they really have um, a pretty terrible prognosis. Right. So um, I don't know, we might cut this, but the, the, um, 
the, the, the metastatic, uh, it really reminds me of uh, a mechanism of action that mm -hmm. you might want, again, uh, personalized to do, like an abscopal ah, yes. um, mm -hmm. action. Can we talk about that or it's too far off, you think? Oh, no, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's not too far off. We, I mean, Pam and I talked about um, looking at sort of scopal effects and bystander effects in, in our animals. And we actually did some studies more recently. So not, um, so just before I left Australia, we did a study where we did, um, um, a, rather than irradiating the whole animal, we pre-treated them with DMAT or parthenolide and, um, and just irradiated the prostate area. So we collected tissues from all over the animal. So we could theoretically look exactly at that thing, that um, kind of abscopal kind of off-target effects, but sadly haven't had the opportunity to, but we would love to. I wanted to ask you, so you have been um, uh, awarded this uh, very, very important award from the Radiation Research Society, mm -hmm. and you have been a member of the society for how long? Oh, almost five years. So I joined uh, as a as an SIT when I started my uh, my PhD back in um, two thousand and thirteen. So yeah, so I've been been uh, involved in the society for for quite a number of years now, and I've I've really loved it. And I think, particularly as as a trainee, as a as a graduate student, it's just been really excellent. Uh, and being able to come to the um, these meetings and have the the SIT workshops uh, and meet meet other people in my my same sort of um, at, at the same point in their careers has been really fantastic. That's great. Um, what else is anything else that I didn't ask you that you might want to touch or um, I don't know. Mm, uh, somebody in your group uh, if you want to thank somebody or, oh, or I mean I guess I mean Pam would be the, <laughs> the biggest one she's been I mean her, her work with um, radiation um, has and and just her her career trajectory has really inspired me and she's been a wonderful mentor throughout my um, my graduate studies and and really continuing on now I'm a, I'm a postdoc and overseas and she's just been a wonderful support and and has always really pushed me to to um, to to put myself out there and and take every challenge I can and I, I think I wouldn't wouldn't be where I am today without her so she's she's been wonderful and then another question, and again, I'm not so sure if we can blend it in, but I was curious, so we, we keep the, the, the camera rolling. Um, how was the, the impact of changing from South Australia to the US? Oh, it, uh, <laughs> well, the, the, the most immediate impact was the, uh, the temperature, which was a big shock. So I moved uh, in the middle of an Australian summer uh, to a Boston winter, so from from very very hot sort of forty degree temperatures to <laughs> to snow and blizzard, so that that was a little bit of a shock. But um, it's it's been really good. I think um, it, it's a wonderful that it's been an adjustment moving from from Australia to the to the US, but. I think it's such a wonderful place to be working and the, the opportunities uh, to work with so many um, just brilliant minds at both at Dana-Farber and, and Harvard um, more, um, more extensively have, has really helped that. 
Um, and, and I think there are potentially a lot more opportunities here for, for postdocs and, and a lot of different avenues that I can sort of take my research than, than I would have been able to have um, back in Australia. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really good. That's great. And I'm really glad that uh, you are continuing in the field. Mm. And I really hope that the uh, Radiation Research Society will, and I th I'm sure it, it will, um, keep on giving you uh, some other opportunities and mm. visibility uh, mm. for your work. And this is the purpose of this uh, um, interview, for example, yeah. giving visibility, giving value to mm -hmm. the work that you do and hoping that you might continue in, uh, in the field contributing and uh, hopefully I will interview you again <laughs> for other fantastic papers and uh, I really wish you good luck for your career oh, thank and you. thank you again for taking the time to talk oh, to you're me. you're welcome.